The hymn writer puts it this way, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Find yourself struggling with keeping your mind set on Christ? Stick around. Today's program is just for you. From Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City, hi there, and welcome to today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, returns us to the book of Romans, and we find ourselves looking at this call to keep our mind set on Christ. How you do that and what that looks like is the subject of our time together today as we continue with our series, What is Your Mind Set On? So we would invite you to join us again here in the book of Romans. So we catch up with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, looking at getting our mind set on Christ. Here's Steve. Or over in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 21, it may mean this. It may refer to the sinfulness of human nature after the fall. That's what Paul refers to there in Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify, what? The desires of the flesh. Well, in that text, what's he talking about? He's talking about sin. For the desires of the flesh, he says, are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then he says, if you're interested, now the works of the flesh are the evident. It's something that can be clearly seen. What are they? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like that. Why do you say that? Because you might look at that list and go, oh, my sin's not listed there. I guess I'm okay. You know, things like that. He doesn't leave anybody off the hook. And he says, I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things or practice such things, is a better rendering there, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he covers the whole gamut. Paul makes it clear that according to the flesh has to do with our mindset, how we think. Martin Lloyd-Jones writes this in one of his commentaries. He says, the term includes not only thought and understanding, it includes affections, emotions, desires, and the objects of pursuit. See, non-Christians set their minds on the things of the flesh. It doesn't mean that they just occasionally do it. It means that's all they know. They're continually driven by the flesh. And as I referred to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, the beloved apostle writes this, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but it is from the world. 
So loving the world or setting one's mind on the, the things of the flesh means to live for the temporary things in life. Something that the world values and basically disregard God and disregard all of eternity. So that's those who live according to the flesh. Look at the second group, those who live set their mind on the Spirit. The things of the Spirit are the truths that are revealed in God's Word. That's what that means when it talks about the things of the Spirit. It's talking about God's Word. It's talking about who He is. It's talking about who we are in Christ. It's talking about that wonderful, great salvation that Christ provided for us through His work on the cross. And it talks about how we should live in light of our salvation. Paul writes of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. He says, Yet among the mature we do not impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages of glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart This in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. See, when we set our mind on the things of the Spirit, it does not mean that you go around with your head up in the clouds. It doesn't mean, you know, I've heard some people say, oh, that guy's so, got his mind on heaven so much, he's no earthly good. It doesn't mean you have to go join a monastery somewhere and spend hours every day prostrate on the floor in meditation and prayer. It doesn't mean that at times you don't get your hands dirty with the mundane things of work and paying bills and cleaning the house and fixing meals and mowing your lawn, maybe reading the newspaper. See, that's not, those aren't indicators of someone who's spiritual, people that don't do those things. Oh, I just, I just pray all day. Rather, to set your mind on the things of the Spirit means to relate all of life, all of life, to God and His Word. It's kind of like a filter. It's kind of like a filter. You're passing everything through this filter. What's the filter? God's Word and God's Spirit. God has seen fit in His Word to tell us how to have our sins forgiven, to have eternal life through faith in Christ Jesus. I mean, that is the most important truth that one can understand. That's why something like this conference we're doing this coming weekend is so important. Because today people are timid. They're they're weak 
in the idea of sharing their faith. Because we live in a cultural that, culture that it, it, it doesn't appreciate it. And so we just kind of relegate all our spiritual activity to this place, you know, four walls. And, and then, you know, when we get out in the world, well, can't expect me to share, share my faith out there. Well, this conference will give you the ability to do that. But understanding and sharing the gospel is, is a very important thing because you know what? Any of us could die at any moment. Any moment. And the moment you die begins eternity for you. That's what Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, he says, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, he says, on the things above, not on the things of the earth. Why, Paul? Because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, he says. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So he says, set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And what's that mean? That, that indicates that you know, you're, you're thinking about salvation a lot. You're thinking about matters of salvation a lot. When you have a, a neighbor, you're, you're wondering about their salvation. You're looking for ways to share Christ with them. It also means to worship God and to commune with Him. I mean, the Bible tells us a lot of information, beloved. It tells us a lot of practical things. It tells us a lot of down-to-earth things. In the context even of Colossians chapter 3, Paul goes on to talk about things like sex and greed and anger and abuse of speech and truthfulness. He gives practical commands regarding relationships and marriage and child-rearing and work. Those are all very real things that we all have in our lives. In other places, the Bible tells us how to manage money, how to deal with trials, how to relate to civil authorities. A lot of different practical things are covered in the Bible. So to repeat, to set your mind on the things of the Spirit means to relate all of life to God and His Word. And you know what? At the heart of that process is really how you think. It's how you think. When he says there the mind is set, that Greek word, it occurs only here in Romans 8. Phonema. And one commentator points out that there can be no such thing as neutral thinking. We're always aiming at something He adds this, this passage makes it abundantly clear that the way one thinks is intimately related to the way one lives, whether in Christ, in the spirit, and by faith, or alternatively, in the flesh, in sin, and in spiritual death. A man's thinking and striving cannot be seen in isolation from the overall direction of his life. The latter will be reflected in the aims which he sets himself. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul commands us to set our minds on the things above. But in Romans chapter 8, he describes believers as those who have set their minds on things of the Spirit. Now, obviously, it's a lifelong process. 
involving growth, involving maturing process. But in all honesty, we need to ask the question here this morning, does this describe me? Do I set my mind on the things of the Spirit? Or do I set my mind on the things of the flesh? Which direction am I heading? It's not hard to figure out. I'll give you a clue. If you spend more of your spare time watching television or playing video games or on your computer than you do spending reading God's Word, reading Christian books, fellowshipping with other believers, or serving the Lord in some capacity, you're probably not heading in the right direction. Now, we all need spare time, and we all need downtime, and we all have activities that we do just to kind of relax. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, that's a good thing. But if we're not making a concerted, consistent effort to develop a biblical mindset, something's wrong. Something's off. Something's not adding up. There are only two, in, two groups of people in the world, unbelievers who live under the domination of the flesh and set their minds on the things of the flesh, and believers who live under the domination of the Holy Spirit and set their minds on the things of the Spirit. The third thing here quickly, these two distinct groups are marked by the mindsets that lead to completely different destinies. And this is so important. Death or life in peace. That's what he says in Romans 6. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life in peace. See, Paul is describing here the current spiritual state of each group. That's why he uses the word for there. In verse 6, the first group sets their minds on the things of the flesh. The second group sets their minds on the things of the spirit. The first group is dominated by the flesh, where it results in spiritual death. The second group is dominated by the spirit, which results in life and peace with God. The scary part is this. If those who are dead in their sins continue in that state, until they die physically, they will, throughout all eternity, continue in that awful condition of separation from God under the penalty of His just wrath. The Bible calls that the second death. Revelation chapter 20, verse 14, says that it's spent in a place called the lake of fire, hell. In the very next verse, verse 15, John writes this, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. See, that's the state of eternal spiritual death. That doesn't mean that you're just going to go there and burn up. It's all going to be over. No, the body does not burn or decay. It's there for all eternity. If it just burned up, that would be kind of a blessing, to be honest. But it doesn't. It's a continuous, enduring, conscious torment forever and ever and ever. And those truths come from Jesus himself. And if we reject that truth, we're not following Christ. The good news is this, as we prepare our hearts for communion... 
communion. If you have been given new life through the Holy Spirit, although your physical body will die, the the Word of God says in Romans 8.10, God will resurrect your body, verse 11, and then you'll enjoy life and peace with Him and with all the saints throughout all eternity. The moment your physical body dies as a believer, your spirit goes immediately into the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I mean, death is not ever a a pretty picture. Morticians try to do their best. But we know when we go to a funeral, we're looking at a dead body. Death is a spiritual picture of all those who are outside of Jesus Christ. And that's Ephesians 2.1. Paul writes, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. He repeats it in chapter 2, verse 5. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive with Christ. You know, by the world's standards, even the unbeliever may be a good person. He may give generously to charity. He may devote himself to good deeds. But listen, if he's not been born again through the life-giving spirit, he is spiritually dead, the Bible says. But the one who has been born again has life and peace. And that life, called eternal life, because it's indestructible. It can't be taken away by any evil force. Read the end of Romans 8. It joins us in a living union with Jesus Christ who once and for all, beloved, through his sacrifice on the cross, conquered death, and he lives and he reigns forevermore. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The application here is obvious. Basically, it's this. Make sure that you have new life through God's Spirit and that you are not living according to the flesh. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that, you know, I'm one of those worldly or carnal Christians. But I'm going to heaven because I prayed a prayer one day and asked Jesus into my heart. The issue is this. Do you have life and peace with God through the Spirit? Do you set your mind on the things of the Spirit? If not, you need to repent. You need to cry out to God to give you new life. And if you're sure that you've been born again, if you're sure that you are a believer here today, but you find yourself drifting into things of the flesh and of the world, the solution is the same. Repent. Don't rest until your mind and your focus are on the things of the Spirit. Sit down. Evaluate your schedule. I was going to do this illustration. It just would take way too much time. And so I just said, I'll just explain it to you. I'm sure you've seen it many times. Do you remember the big rocks illustration? The professor comes out with a large jar filled to the brim with big rocks inside. And he asks the class, is the jar full? And they all say, oh, yes, looks full to us. Then he takes a cup of pea gravel and he pours it into the jar. It just filters down. He says, do you think it's full now? 
course, they knew what was coming, so they didn't answer him. He takes out a cup of sand and he pours it into the jar and it fills the rest of the space. And he holds it up. He says, do you think it's full now? And then he takes a glass of water and he pours it into the jar. All those things went into that jar. But you know what? If you were to put all those things before those big rocks into the jar, the big rocks would not fit. And you say, well, what's the point? The point is, if you don't put the big rocks in first, you won't be able to fit them in at all. What am I saying? One of the big rocks in life is, what are you going to do with Christ? Where is your spiritual walk with Christ? We need to schedule our priorities in light of God and God's word. Or you know what? They're going to get crowded out very quickly, the spiritual priorities. They're going to get crowded out by the urgent, by the trivial. The biggest rock you have, beloved, is your relationship with God. I want to encourage you this morning to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that we've been able to share as the body of Christ. Lord, we pray that you would continue your work through your spirit as we come to this communion table, as we desire to examine ourselves as we're instructed to in the Bible as believers. This table is for believers, those who put their faith, their trust in Christ. And Lord, we come to this table not as a tradition, but as a celebration, a celebration of your death and resurrection, a celebration of the gift of salvation that you gave to us through your sacrifice. We do it have out of obedience to your word. You said in your word that we should do this as often as we, we can to remember all that you've done on our, our behalf. And so we pray this morning that you would Help us to examine our own hearts. That we would have a clear conscience before you, before others. Before we would partake of this communion table. Lord, I ask that you would work in a, in a mighty way. For those who have yet to put their faith or trust in you, Lord, I pray that today might just be that day that they could cry out to you, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Save me. From my sin. I need a savior. I can't save myself. It's an acknowledgement of dependence upon you, the creator, the God who gave us life. And your provision of salvation through Christ. That's a prayer he'll answer today. Be merciful to me, a sinner. So Lord, I pray you bless our communion time together. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. 
Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. And directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. And while you're at our website, don't forget to download our mobile app, new and improved and ready to use, whether you're securely donating online or taking advantage of the podcasts on your mobile phone, simply go to iTunes or Google Play and look for Grace Bible Church Redwood City CA. Or stop by our website, gracefultruth.org, and follow the prompts. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.